Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast. Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast, powered by Exabel. I'm Mark Fleming-Williams. In this episode, I speak to Ryan Schreiber and Natalia Bugoyova of Vertical Knowledge, a provider of web scrape data that is particularly suited to serving geopolitical requirements. In our conversation, Ryan, Natalia and I discuss the situation in Ukraine and how Vertical Knowledge can help investors understand developments and try to look ahead to what will come next, both within the battle space and in the wider global economy. So in this episode, I'm joined by Ryan Schreiber and Natalia Bugayova of Vertical Knowledge. Thank you very much for joining today, both. Thanks for having us, Mark. Great to be here. Uh, so this is a uh, this is a great privilege and and great. Uh, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this one myself because we're going to talk on a close to a subject which is very close to my heart, which is which is geopolitics. Um, before entering this crazy world of alternative data, I was a, a geopolitics analyst, so um, have a lot of frustrated thoughts and, uh, and 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 opinions, which I will try and keep under wraps as we as we as we as we, as we discuss here. But um, but uh, so vertical knowledge is a really good um, a connector between alternative data and geopolitics, um, because as we're about to explore. Um, Vertical knowledge's data is just incredibly useful and incredibly incredibly relevant. So I think um, going into this, I think we're probably going to start with um, perhaps talk, talk, talking a little bit about um, vertical knowledge and the data itself and the and the commercial offering with with Ryan um, before. And we're very privileged to have uh, Natalia with us because, as well as being with Vertical Knowledge, Natalia is also uh, a National Security Fellow uh, at the Institute for the Study of War focused on Russia. So she's absolutely perfect to be talking about this, about the current situation in Russia and Ukraine. So um, without further ado, let's get cracking. So Ryan, let's begin with you. Um, vertical knowledge, what does vertical knowledge do? Yeah, th thanks again for having us, Mark. But yeah, ver vertical knowledge is really set out to build um, a world-class um, web drilling operation. So I think I think web scraping is kindly kind of widely understood at this point. But what we've done a little differently um, than some of the generic products and tools you know out there is really built um, a world-class connection layer, which means we've built a global proxy network and, and a commercial proxy network at that, which we think is kind of the long-term more compliant and strategic approach to maintaining, you know, a really good network and collection. Um, what that means from a, a product perspective is that we do offer software tools. So we offer that proxy network as a as a offering. Sorry, Ryan, what does a proxy network mean? <laughs> yeah, a proxy network is a pool of IP addresses. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we have direct relationships with, with 65 ISPs globally. Um, and, and that is how we've built that network. So we have IP addresses in over 100 countries, which is what enables us to collect at scale and in many cases speed, um, you know, with some frequency, like we're sitting in different places around the world to get the most accurate 
um, data that that looks like it should look where where it is meant to be collected and seen. So you've kind of got kind of legal VPNs in a way. You've you've set yourself, you projected yourself into all the different areas around the world, so that and in a in a you know as I want to stress in a legal and authenticated way, in order Absolutely. to um, in order to get direct access, as if you were a Chinese citizen or a, or an Indonesian citizen or whatever, um, and scraping directly from there. That that's right. We're able to localize our collection um, just just like you described. Okay, so that I mean, what strikes me about about vertical knowledge is that it it feels big. It feels like it's it's it, uh, there's a there's a few scrapers out there, but it feels like vertical knowledge is kind of doing it on an industrial scale and kind of doing it in a in a like a like a proper established company, um, uh, which uh, you know, like like how, how long have you been around for? How long has Vertical Knowledge been so, doing this? So for? VK was founded in two thousand six. So that's right. We were kind of an early first mover in the space, um, and I, and I think to your point, because of that, we've really built an industrial grade framework. So even on top of the network, the collection tools we've built, we believe are kind of the most sophisticated out there and best position for kind of the hardest, most scalable collections. Um, and, and really important to that is that we've maintained a focus for you know quality and compliance in that. So the layers around quality and compliance that are built into our framework, I think are kind of the other, you know, with the network and scale, in global nature, the kind of other key differentiators, right? That there's controls built into our framework um, to avoid some of the risks associated with web scraping. Mm. Um, and what what do you scrape? What's your what's your offering? What's your data? Yeah. So in addition to the technology offerings, the the software, the end-to-end framework, the proxy network, you know, primarily we offer to the financial services community custom collection services, meaning they come to us with topics and specific sources that they want us to collect on their behalf and provide the, the end data. Um, but, you know, we do have a list of a few hundred sources that that we that we provide syndicated subscriptions to, um, you know, mostly in kind of the auto retail travel real estate spaces, right, where you have kind of maximum inventory and price transparency on the web. That's kind of most effective for generating, you know, investment research signals like, you know, funds are, are, are looking to generate. And so you've built this incredible, you've essentially, you've, you've built this kind of structure of, 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 um, of proxy network around the, around the world. And so you, you kind of, you let it out for hire to an extent, like you, you, you can, people can buy time almost on your, on your, um, on your, on your network. Um, do they tend That's to right. Do they tend to have similar requests? And so you mentioned um, kind of so scraping prices, so e-commerce, retail, things sure. like that. And it would so will they? Are we talking about um, uh, hedge funds normally? Yeah. So w- within our financial services um, business, I'd say the bulk of our clients are hedge funds, and within that kind of fundamental investors, right, long short equity funds that are trying to do really deep fundamental research. So at, you know, the ability to go very deep on specific companies on the web, go deep on their competitors, um, to, to understand the businesses and trends around margins and inventory um, and top line performance is, is really what they're looking for our support on. So, so uh, we've covered hedge funds. Uh, who else is consuming vertical knowledge as data? Yeah. So, so within financial services, we've seen, you know, growing demand from private equity, from kind of the more later stage growth funds. Um, as well as banks. And then, 
you know, other commercial entities we think are a little behind, but but nonetheless come into the table. Um, and, and then VK is a significant public sector business as well. Okay. And public sector business implies um, scale. Again, coming coming back to, to it feels like you guys are big and uh, and kind of again, as you said, industrial grade in terms of in terms of so the fact that there's a public sector aspect. Um, so where then, and we could this could be a good handover of baton. Perhaps Ryan can speak, and and uh, this could be the maybe before we move on is why how does this match into the geopolitics picture why why is vertical knowledge well positioned to answer geopolitics questions yeah i mean i think when you look at our global network the ability to gather information as it looks in different parts of the world is really a unique capability and something that is uniquely positioned especially as you know internet access um, is threatened in certain parts of the world by authoritarian regimes as well as um, you know war and, and other um, you know, global issues. So I think having that network positions us really uniquely to gather information globally, whether it is the kind of inventory and pricing information I talked about that, you know, affects things like supply chains, or it is, you know, more news, military related, um, you know, original sources. And I think, you know, obviously Natalia can, can go much deeper on those fronts than I can. Okay, brilliant. So let's bring Natalia into interplay. Natalia, who is um, who's who who was a a Russia specialist focused on the on the study of war um, before that became really relevant in the last in the last uh, in the last two months, particularly. Um, so, uh, Natalia, why don't you tell me actually? Why don't you tell me first of all what brought you to working for Vertical Knowledge? Absolutely, and thanks for having me. Um... I think, you know, I've been working as a national security analyst for quite some time and uh, looking at Russia's activities around the world using the openly available data. However, only part of that is analytical task. Another half of it is um, using and, and scoping technologies that help an analyst do their job better and faster and parse through this vast amounts of data uh, to extract insight. And um, I've been always passionate about technologies that allow analysts to do their work better and faster and more efficiently. And uh, vertical knowledge is the place that really, I think, allows me to combine my passion for technology, for, for open source intelligence, tradecraft, as well as national security. Fantastic. Okay. So um, you have, uh, as I understand it, Natalia, you have been... Um, uh, helping uh, Vertical Knowledge's clients um, understand the emerging situation in in Ukraine um, that that began on on February twenty fourth. Um, how uh, how does your position at Vertical Knowledge give you a unique um, ability to do that? Sure. I mean, look, there is a, a growing volume of publicly available information there in the world. Um, and there's a lot of insight embedded in it on um, whether it's, it's looking at Russia or honestly looking at supply chains or any question that is at the nexus of geopolitics, um, markets, national security. But it all comes down to how well can you collect this data? How safely can you access it? Can you extract insight from it fast enough? 
in order to inform decision making. And when we talk about the specific use case of right now um, analyzing and monitoring the situation in Ukraine, it all comes down to, to the same questions, right? There are a lot of data available on Russian activities around the world and right now in the conflict. It, it sits there in the open in social media posts and news articles and government announcement, official statements and trial information, you name it. Um, so a lot of, um, I think, insight can be derived from that, but it all is about how, how can one collect it, do it fast enough, do it at scale. And I think this is where part of vertical knowledge technology comes in. Uh, A, because it allows me to monitor on behalf of our clients the situation uh, persistently, do it safely, um, and also do it through multiple sources and um, really incorporate the, the whole universe of available, publicly available data into this uh, monitor. Fantastic. So what kind of questions have you been helping people to answer? I think the primary focus right now for many, especially in the financial sector, is understanding the dynamics of the conflict, um, the the potential for um, next stage of the conflict, um, the movements on the ground from the military standpoint, but also honestly the broader dynamics that surround this conflict, um, West versus um, Russia relationship, um, Western support to Ukraine. There are many, many different um, angles and lenses to the conflict, but fundamentally what I think the case technology helps us do is to monitor it in a, um, in a at scale, very easy to access way, um, and put all the different sources and data streams into one bucket where customers can access it, um, and it's already pre-parsed for them, right? Because mm. again, it goes it goes back to um, can you actually derive insight for the purposes of your decision making? And I think a lot of people in the financial sector want to understand is there a potential for resolution of the conflict or is this going to be a long war? Um, questions like that. Mm, okay. So battlefield wise, um, there's been, it seems to me, and I'm, it may be because I've been less less across kind of the Syria situation and, and uh, definitely less across the Armenia-Azerbaijan war. Um, but it seems to me that this war has really, it's brought home to me at least, the power of the kind of open source intelligence, which is available just by a large group of really um, motivated, uh, well, first of all, a lot of information coming onto, for example, Twitter, um, from, for example, Ukrainian citizens who are taking photos of Russian tanks going past and then putting that on Twitter. And then a gigantic, uh, a large source of, it seems to me, maybe professional or maybe just kind of military geek um, uh, people based all over the world who get straight to work analyzing that as analyzing that photo working out whether it's it comes from where it where it says it comes from looking at the fact that uh you know this this russian uh, armored personnel carrier has only got seven people on it and it can fit 14 or you know just so much analysis has, has been going on um is, is this the kind of is there a huge amount of information and data which is just being pumped around at the moment um 
which wasn't there before. And is, is this vertical knowledge, is this the information that you're talking about for the battlefield stuff that vertical knowledge can kind of scrape, pass, uh, turn into ordered form and, and make available for people? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you've hit on, on a key point that A, um, we generate more data now in the world um, because everyone um, has now ability to collect and communicate uh, the data as, as a human being, as an individual. And secondly, um, we have technology now that allow us to, to access this data. So the observable and the real universe of data is expanding. And I think the war in Ukraine is actually a very um, good manifestation. It's a microcosm of that. Um, there are two, I think, elements to how we think about sources. Uh, it's their source, um, the origination points of the sources, people, organizations, essentially actors who generate data. And then there are mediums, right? When you talk about Twitter, that's a medium. That's a platform that... Um, allows information to be to be presented but it's not necessarily something i would consider a source so the technology of vertical knowledge allows us to both access the individual sources source actors if you will and as well as platforms at scale and combine them in the most efficient way so that you parse through this universe of data fast enough and i think this is a really key point Right? There's infinite amount of data now, as you've pointed out, being ge generated uh, by various means and various actors. But how do you actually structure your collection in the way that gets you what you need fast enough for you to act on it or for you at least to incorporate it in your situational awareness? Um, so, yes, and this is one of the things that our platforms can um, help uh, people to cope with is this challenge of, parsing through um, the vast universe of data and also collecting it in one spot safely um, and then persistently, right? So it's not a one-off uh, activity. It can be repeated over time. Um, and you actually start accumulating knowledge and data over time that you can use on this um, campaign, such as Russia's war in Ukraine. But honestly, it can be on any other topic. It could be on semiconductors. It could be on housing prices. Um, any company information, right? It's it's the same principle apply, and I think the actually business executives uh, and financial analysts need to be, uh, are becoming a lot more um, open source intelligent analysts in the way because they also need to parse this unstructured data and tweets and articles for insight, um, as I think intelligence analysts would. Are we talking? So first of all, there is the huge um, there's the huge fuddle aspect you have you've got a you've essentially got a big uh, reverse hose essentially like a huge vacuum cleaner and you can point it towards whatever subject you want and it's got a big funnel and you can pick up a gigantic <laughs> amount of data based on that on that information on that on that kind of search query but then there is a big computing issue about trying to make sense of it um, so a vertical knowledge has a huge vacuum cleaner but B, then, are we, is there, are we talking about a huge um, black box, essentially, which, which is able to, are we talking about very advanced NLP, perhaps, in order to, or a kind of knowledge graph? Or is there a, is there a um, big computing aspect, which is 
um, as you say, passing it? Is it is it quite human driven? How is this? How is this um, making sense of this giant giant amount of data? How is that happening within vertical knowledge? Sure. Um, first, um, I think one addition on the vacuum cleaner um, <laughs> point. Um, I think there are actually two capabilities that uh, we have. One is to point the collection at a very specific source and being able to comprehensively collect everything on a particular source. Uh, there is a second capability at the collection level, um, what we call discovery. Sometimes you yet do not know what you are actually looking for, and maybe you have original hypothesis or a question. Um, for example, you would like to understand how um, China is adjusting its... Um, semiconductor industry in wake of a Western sanction, but you don't know necessarily which local sources to look at and where to start. So our discovery capability lets you actually discover data uh, and discover sources that you might not uh, even know existed before. So um, I just wanted to point out that there's, uh, there are two elements to um, essentially the, the collection part. Then in terms of the parsing, um, we as a company parse the data. However, um, our clients then really incorporate the collected data into their own analytical workflows. Um, and they do a lot of um, analysis on it, including uh, whether it's NLP, whether it's, it's knowledge graphing, or essentially structuring it into the ontology that's um, best suited for their needs. Our focus is really on the collection side and getting hard to get data at scale uh, and safely. That's great. And go, Ryan. Yeah, no, I think I think Natalia framed that perfectly. I think really what we've mastered is the connection and collection component, and then that really critical parsing step to like clean the data into a usable mechanism. So by and large, our funds consume data kind of through like flat CSV files where we've cleanly parsed the fields they want to see. And then they're easily able, um, you know, to consume that data into their systems. Um, you know, we're seeing more people use, um, you know, Snowflake as a, as a delivery mechanism, right? Because it takes out kind of that upload download um, step. Um, and simplifies. And, and we have a data operations team that can get data into any format that our clients want to see, you know, meaning if they want visualizations or KPI rollups, we can build the data to do that. And if, you know, Natalia wants to present something in a streaming workflow, we can do that. And so, you know, the data operations and the subject matter expertise that, that folks like Natalia provide help to get the data into a mechanism that allows our clients to more quickly and efficiently leverage it. But nonetheless, we're not necessarily like an analytics or data science shop. We're really- You're a data, you're a data provider. We're a driller. If you look at data as oil, we're, yeah. we're, we've tried to build the best drilling operation, right? I know that's kind of a, an old adage at this point, but, but I think that you know analytical tools have really been the focus of investment research and analysis and analytics have been over-invested in. And I think that the connection component that we've invested in and the ability to now fuel all of those tools out there is really where we're uniquely positioned. I think that makes you Bruce Willis and Armageddon, Ryan. That's a, that's a <laughs> oh, that's um, a favorite. That's an old favorite. <laughs> Love it. But, but, but uh, thank you very much. And, and coming back to Natalia. 
So we are in a in a position where we are having this conversation on the 29th of April. Um, as I understand it, uh, so right now, Russia has decided to um, focus on the Donbass, um, has been trying to trying to make make progress there's there's various western um armaments and and uh, equipment going into ukraine it's a it's it's a poised situation right now um as to whether the russians will be able to make any major progress or you know so it's so everyone's watching a, a fairly localized spot at that given the current situation and hypothetically and what kind of questions might you be able to help a vertical knowledge client with on that specific situation? Or is that the kind of situation you can help with questions on? And what kind of data might you be giving them to answer, really, how is Russia's advance going? Are, are, they, are they making progress? Is, is the war turning in Ukraine's fla- favor, uh, favor, that kind of thing? Is that the kind of question you can help answer? And, and, and if so, how? No, absolutely. I think um, the way... To frame it is to look about the key dynamics that define any particular system and the movement within that system, whether it's a conflict or um, it could be also an ecosystem of a critical technology. Similar principle actually applies. So in this war right now, there are several dynamics that matter as we look ahead at uh, the following uh, phases. The first is the combat manpower available to to the Kremlin, and um, they've depleted a lot of it. Mm. Um, So that's a one key dynamic. At what point uh, can they replenish it, if at all? Uh, In my assessment, there's very little they can do, especially in the short term, to actually bring substantive additions to their combat manpower to the battlefield. Another example of such dynamics is the speed and scale of Western military aid deliveries. Can they match Ukraine's requirements on the ground in this new phase? Um, A third example of such dynamic is, uh, for example, Russia's ability uh, to maintain long-term its defense industrial capabilities. Because um, there are obviously sanctions and disruptions in their supply chains, so it, it um, raises many questions about um, what can they produce domestically, at what pace, what can they um, substitute, what what sanctions will they try to circumvent. So these are the types of dynamics that determine where this war will head and which side can gain an advantage. Then the question becomes, when you look at a specific client or a customer and help them understand, is how is this knowledge actually expressed in the publicly available information? And this link is very critical um, because you break down those dynamics in your assessment of it into specific um, questions. And then you think, how are they going to be expressed, let's say, in an article, uh, in a tweet? What am I looking for? Um, And here you you would start collecting on events, for example, data, stream of data that talks about destruction or disruption in, in Russian defense industrial capability, uh, plans going out of business, 
that's that's a collection stream that one can design uh, with, with our technology and using insight um, of a subject matter expert uh, on, on any topic. Another example, you know, collection on announcements of Western governments about specific type of lethal or non-lethal aid they're providing to Ukraine, right? That helps answer or understand dynamics number one. So you see how actually quite abstracted dynamics can be transformed into very simple keyword searches and then automated with vertical knowledge collection streams. And also, um, I think another point I'll mention is we can access data safely, not just in the Western information space, but also um, around the world, as Ryan said in the very beginning, which allows to really show different lands on how Russia is talking about itself in this conflict, what it's projecting to the rest of the world. Um, And that applies to any subject. I think Russia-Ukraine war is the one that's um, key now, but this framework really applies to any problems that we help customers watch and monitor. You've got to be careful still with, for example, announcements around uh, announcements by Western governments about the weapons that they will send to um, to uh, Ukraine's help, as has been shown recently with with Germany, that it can be announcing that we will send a certain amount. And then there's a big question as to whether it arrives. And and, um, so there still needs to be a certain amount of thought going on as well um, as to where in the chain so you could you could see what they're announcing but then you're potentially also looking for some kind of in order to follow the chain through you need to some kind of delivery you know yes it's arrived or yes it's traveled through poland or whatever so would that kind of thought be happening um at your end or would it maybe be at the client's end no it's an excellent question um Yes, you absolutely would need to follow through on any public statement by any actor, and then you just collect on the event that is delivery or not delivery uh, of a certain type of weapon system, and sometimes that would not be in the in the open. Um, I think the general principle here is we help customers construct various collection streams to increase their awareness, and they can make judgment calls on their end how they use this data. In the case of Russia-Ukraine war and in my role as a director of strategic insights, I'm helping use insight to essentially frame collections better, make them more targeted, uh, make make them more potent for customers' needs. But the um, judgment call and what customers actually use the data for rests with with them, right? Because we plug in um, the monitoring stream into their information pipeline okay um maybe coming back to ryan a little bit is this do you find that this data can be used by quants um can it can it be turned into numbers in a way that can be kind of fed into some kind of algorithm or is it really a a discretionary tool that comes out and really you need to there needs to be a lot of thought around what this data means and 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 it and perhaps it could be even used to kind of frame a uh, investment decision and kind of as in f- frame an investment climate around your investment decision as to look, it looks like this war could go on for another month. So let's factor that into our, into our, you know, investments. How, do you have a feel for how yeah. people are using it? 
Yeah, look, I think we we have a lot more experience interacting with with discretionary folks. Now, I think as I'm sure has been discussed on your podcast many times, the line between quant and dis- discretionary has become much more blurred over the years, and 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 there's a lot of quantitative strategies supporting fundamental analysis, hence the term quantumental, um, and, and vice versa. I think there's there's you know there's have been limits to to the purely quantitative strategies and performances over the years that have required you know you know some some checks. Um, so I, I I think that the contextual component um, and the human component here is very real, um, and that's where um, you know I think it's hard to take new data and put it into a pure quantitative or a systematic strategy, right? You don't have enough historical data necessarily. And that's generally um, why we don't interact with um, purely systematic folks as much as fundamental folks, right? Because when you start a web scrape, typically you, you're, you're getting new data. There's some cases where you're able to go back with some history, but, but typically not to the extent that, it, that a truly systematic fund needs. So that's why we're uh, why web scraping at large and VK are much better positioned to support um, fundamental um, analysis. I also think there's a component to this data that and information that isn't necessarily uh, here is the signal to trade on this specific name. Right? We're we're answering a little bit of broader questions here um, that are that are more um, you know supportive of kind of risk and positioning rather than just purely. Um, you know, what the trade is on a specific name, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes, that did, makes perfect sense. Um, thank you. So back to Natalia. Um, we are, my son was born on the 24th of February, which as a geopolitics, former geopolitics analyst, that was exciting to me because I felt like the 24th of February was potentially one of the most geopolitically significant dates um, since fall of the since 1991 or fall of the Soviet Union or, or there that kind of that kind of time um, I think I personally think that we've entered potentially a new geopolitical um, sphere um, uh, paradigm um, and looking to for example actually an- anecdotally um, talking to someone recently about the fact that they found that funds are showing much less interest in China since the and Chinese data since the Russia um, since Russia's invasion, potentially because of there might be a fear of a kind of iron curtain coming down and a and a, and a decoupling or, or or whatever. Either way, it feels massive. Twenty fourth of February onwards. Um, do where where do you think? Where do you do you where do you feel geopolitics is going to be over the next? Um, years uh for the investor do you agree with me that we've kind of entered a new a new paradigm or or is it too early to say that no great question um i think we've already started to enter new paradigm over the past several years um and we've seen that truly with convergence of finance technology national security and i think the global supply chains and uh, ecosystems of critical technologies have really been um, true manifestation of that conversion. And I think it was driven in part by system to system competition and, and going back to that 
paradigm in a way, but um, in a new form. And therefore, you know, national security analysts could no longer um, be just that. They had to understand how, let's say, supply chains of critical technologies look, how the financial markets operate. Similar, um, I think people who work in the in the financial analysis sector increasingly had to pay attention to to geopolitics. So we've already been been in this shift in paradigm for quite some time. I think the February 24th, um, Russia's invasion, which was the culmination of truly many, many years of Vladimir Putin's efforts to regain control over Ukraine, uh, has certainly put us on a new plane and a new uh, range of options in in the, um, I think, geopolitics over the next year. It's only a major inflection point. But I think there was a build up to that um, in several ways. So now, uh, you know, as we look ahead, um, this conflict actually is, this war is also a uh, very good microcosm of convergence of these different areas, right? If you look um, on the battlefield right now and dynamics around it, there is, of course, I mean, military component is, is key, but the economy, um, the supply chain component, the technological component, and how technology is shifting in this war, um, how it factors in the, the global financial system and, and Russia's efforts to you know, buffer itself and, and make it itself more resilient to financial shocks and how it's working and not working out for them. So all these dynamics are actually really well presented in, in this conflict. And I think we'll see increasing convergence of that. And to tie back actually to the discussion about alternative data and, and the publicly available information, um, I think it presents an opportunity to grasp this growing complexity a lot more. And those who will have ability not just to collect, but also um, understand where to look and where to drill, as well as get it fast enough, will also be able to understand the, the geopolitics better going forward because you have so many different dynamics um, converging, essentially. Fantastic. I think that's, I think that's great. Um, thank you very much indeed, Natalia, Ryan, for, for joining me today and, um, and, and talking geopolitics and, and vertical knowledge. Um, really fascinating stuff. And uh, yeah, best of luck. Appreciate that, Mark. And, and we hope that, you know, folks found, found this interesting um, and are interested in speaking with us and, and can reach out through um, our website, which is vk.ai. Thanks for having us.